Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is here with me. Check out all of our stories. We are writers first over at michigan.247sports.com, uh, covering the Wolverines. And this podcast will discuss Michigan's 52 to nothing win over Rutgers. It is Michigan's most lopsided win since, surprise, a different time that they beat Rutgers, 78 nothing in 2016 actually Michigan's last first shutout since that game as well it's been 37 games for all the talk about the defense uh this was this was a really clean game and we have lots of takeaways for those that are new to our post-game podcast we do uh we do the 247 but we do two game balls we do four lasting thoughts and then seven uh questions we we fielded questions from the fans we got our seven we are ready to go so first Game ball, Steve. I'll let you go first. Take your first shot. Who who gets the game ball for you? I actually. So I think a lot of people will naturally talk about Patterson, maybe feeling comfortable playing his best game of the year today. I thought this was a just as important day for Quiddy Pay mm. going forward. Uh, he was a, a menace on the edge, and again, should we just do the whole make it clear? Yes, it is just Rutgers. I know I did this on Twitter earlier, but yes, I get it for anybody who wants to try to discredit anything that Michigan did today. Uh, we understand the level of the opponent, but pay had his best game of the season. I know he struggled against yeah. Wisconsin, uh, but was consistently uh, coming around the edge, made some, made some great plays in the running game as well. And again, I think today was a lot about building confidence and, and going forward. And I think for, for Quiddy, Specifically, I think today was big, so I'm, I mean, he's getting my game ball uh, after, like I said, playing his best game of the season probably by far. Yep, yep, that's a good choice for the game ball. I'll take the take the obvious one, the natural one, Shea Patterson. Uh, really, maybe his best game at Michigan. Again, okay, I'm not I'm not even going to do the caveat. I'm not even going to say it. I understand. I, I I too understand who they played today. But it was his second highest completion percentage and second most yards. Felt like a couple of those rushing touchdowns, of course, were just Michigan had better offensive line and had better push. But felt like his decision making was really good. I actually have a little bit more of a takeaway on what Michigan did to help Patterson, but felt like he was seeing the field pretty well. Um, seemed like, you know, as someone, I, I have the eye in the sky view, I don't have the TV view. And, uh, I was trying to keep track because that's obviously the knock on Shea is, um, you know, does he find the open guy? And I was trying to keep track during the game. Well, there's the guy that's open and he's going to be open in half a second, kind of reading the routes and the plays a little bit. And pretty much every time Shea found him, of course, you're not going to throw it to the most open person every single time, but felt like there was really good timing, really good plays. And, and I think there were two or three throws that weren't where they needed to be, but, Felt like he played really confident. Um, felt like he he did a lot of things really well, and I think the results are the proof is in the pudding. So, with the game balls done, let's go on to lasting takeaways. I'm gonna go first with this one, uh, the, and and try to cite some of the stuff after the game, talking to the players. There'll of course be lots of stories about this by myself, but Michigan got better this week. You know, it, 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 opponent neutral, they looked cleaner. They played better assignment football they were blocked they, you know just the tech even the technique tackling for blocking and tackling and and you know wrapping up getting your arms in the your, your hand placement actually driving you know keeping your feet moving 
uh, through the tackle or through the block. Just felt like they, they just were better. They were a better football team uh, this week, and, and certainly confidence has a lot to do with that. If you go into a game expecting to win versus being on the road at Wisconsin, not sure what's going to happen, you know, that can be different. But, no, I the the theme after the game, I know Cameron Grown mentioned this. I, I think Christian Turner mentioned this as well, just the, the brick by brick. You know, they know that they can't beat Ohio State. They can't beat Ohio State today. They can't beat win the Big Ten today. They can't beat Michigan State. They can't go to Wisconsin and beat them today. Uh, they did what they had to do, and they did exactly what, what, they, what they should have done. Um, not just winning by a lot, right? Because we talked about this. What, what, what can Michigan do in this game? That was something we discussed on this podcast before the game. But even just, even just playing crisp and play, you know, this was this was a pick me up game, and Michigan treated it as such, and really on both sides of the ball did ex- not a perfect game, but on both sides of the ball did exactly what it was supposed to do, and so Rutgers will lose a lot of games, perhaps many by shutouts and by multiple touchdowns in the Big Ten. Iowa beat them thirty to nothing. But I do think Michigan was, is a better team than they were this time last week. And really, this is the best game they've played all year. I am sure you can make a pretty sound argument that they should have brought it last week and that it doesn't really matter until they bring it against a different team. But they definitely got better. Steve, your lasting thought, I have it written down here, talent rises. Uh, what's sticking out to you in that regard? Uh, well, I know Harbaugh talk about both players after the game, but you know guys like McGrone, Daxton Hill, kind of really getting their first major opportunity to shine in a in a legitimate game type setting. Both did McGrone with flying colors. Really, honestly, one of the craziest things I saw in the box score was McGrone actually only ended with one tackle and one quarterback hurry. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how that's possible. It felt like he was play his name was being called almost every not almost every play but consistently throughout. And again, it didn't take long to see him just like I what coach would always say is to see him pop uh you know during the game as as a guy that you can just tell definitely on a different level athletically. I know we had him as the number one outside linebacker in the in the country in the, in the 2018 class. He definitely looked like a guy who's capable of you know, becoming a star. I think Harbaugh said the exact same thing after his presser. So, you know, and the same with Hill. I think the natural question people sort of ask is, you know, how come we didn't see these guys earlier? I know with McGrone yeah. specifically, you know, I know that the flashes have been there in practice. I think consistency is more what they were looking for. But and and so this is where a game like today is a good opportunity to maybe give a guy like him that legitimate opportunity. You know, and so, and he took it took full advantage of it. So I now I would fully expect to see him on the field a lot against Iowa. You know, and that's what I think Michigan should do. I'm I'm a big believer. I think we've talked about this before. I'm a big believer in if a, a guy's first real experience on the field is a highly positive one, that it can be a real springboard, both in confidence mentally and just in how they end up playing. And so I think for McGrone that today was a huge step forward for him just again like I said more from a okay I know I can do this you know I'm more comfortable in my decision making and more comfortable in how athletic I am and, and the in the plays that I'm making I'm, I'm just 
comfortable on the field in this setting, you know, I think was a really big deal. So, you know, again, Hill, a five-star as well. McGrone, we had him. I think he was a borderline five-star. You know, seeing seeing some of those young guys take advantage of their first real opportunity, you know, I think is great news for Michigan defensively as far as athletically especially, right? Even, honestly, even on offense, seeing Luke Schoonmaker, like, show the wheels. You know, I know he only had the one pass, but, man, he's a lot faster than I realized he was. I mean, that was a... That was a pretty impressive play for, you know, just a little out route or a little drag route from the tight end for him to turn it into a 29-yard gain, you know, I thought was pretty impressive. So, you know, seeing some of the younger guys not only get some playing time but taking full advantage of it I think is – that's what you, that's another byproduct you're looking for out of a game like this, and, and Michigan got it in a, few, in a few important areas, in my opinion. Yep, yep, I, I agree, and I think it's – when you look at this game and margin, all that aside, that's exactly what Michigan needs to see is maybe, I mean, that's, I, I'd be curious what former players would say about that, where you have a tough loss, you have a week that's critically important for people to step up. It kind of reminds me of basketball a few years ago when, uh, you know, the John Beeline's whole outlier speech, where it's like, who's who's going to be an outlier the rest of the way? Because Michigan's going to need them. It's <laughs> just just on paper it's a tough season it's tough sledding so they're going to need players to emerge and be better in October than they were in September and better in November than they were in October so definitely sticking out to me Uh, another thing that stuck out to me I I think mm, I'll see how I phrase this but Michigan's going to make this offense work I think they're going to find a way to make it work with Shea you know you saw today we had a question about it so we'll discuss it more in depth in a few moments, but Josh Gaddis moved to the sidelines. Again, as I'm watching these routes develop, one thing I noticed is it seemed like they were more what I would call Shea routes. You know, it's less stuff on the sidelines. Uh, it's more stuff that he can kind of in his plane of sight. It's, um, you know, middle of the field, or if he's on the right hash, maybe it's more routes kind of in the on the right side of the field versus having to go sideline to sideline as you as you find these guys because because everyone keeps saying oh throw it to nico he's he's wide open well yeah if you're behind six foot six offensive linemen in the heat of the moment and there's someone barreling down at you and you're facing to the right and he's all the way to the i mean you, you just might not see it your peripherals are worse when you're wearing a helmet so i felt like felt like they they kind of maybe not cleaned up the route running or the route design improved. Uh, I think they think they found a good tempo. You know, I was one thing I was wondering is do they do they try to go slow and eat clock? Do they try to go fast and be kind of what Oregon was a while ago? I, I really wondered what the what the pace was going to be. I don't have an exact stat, but felt like felt like whatever it was today worked. You know, guys were rotating in and out really efficiently. There were less, um, no one had to call a timeout because the play clock was winding down. There wasn't a, you know, mad scramble to get running back A or wide receiver B in the field and on the play. It seemed like a little bit less confusion. And I think that's that's natural throughout the season. Of course, it helps when you're working with the lead or playing in a game that's not on the road. But just seemed like... They're they're making this offense more Shea friendly, 
You know, Shea, Shea Patterson is capable of a lot. He is not perfect. There are limitations that he has. I think Michigan is starting to starting to kind of find that happy medium between getting Shea to change his game in one way, but also changing the offense to, to help him do what he does best. Felt like they had him going out of the pocket a little bit more, uh, or, or moving pocket, I should say, you know, more rollout type type play designs. And if that's what works for him, that's what Michigan has to do. They don't get to they don't get to say, "Here's the offense, run it." They have to say, "Okay, what's what's the best offense for Shea Patterson to run?" Um, so that stuck out stuck out to me. Felt like Shea did well, but I also feel like the team put him in better position. Uh, Steve, you got it. You got a fourth thing that's sticking out to you. Yeah, as we talked about on Thursday about this game being way more important for Michigan's own psyche than it was appeasing the fans and and obviously the media who, you know, as I said to you before we recorded, you know, seemed to jump to want to make sure to let everybody know that it was just Rutgers they were playing. You know, God forbid you say anything positive about their performance today. Um, So... Hmm. I think like the impression I got, and, and honestly, actually, it was it was the quote I saw that Harbaugh said about backs being against the wall, that type of deal, and that got ridiculed. That that's the position they are in, though, and that's where the national you know kind of storyline with Michigan is just it's stupid. They still have all their goals in front of them, but another slip up, like last Saturday, and it's it's probably all but over barring something crazy. I mean, maybe if Notre Dame was the second loss and they went out in the big 10, maybe, but even then though, it, the chances are slim and none, right. Of doing anything nationally. So that's their mentality. And today was kind of that first step of, and it should be their mentality, by the way, it was their first step of, you know, again, you mentioned the brick by brick idea. You know, I think today was a success in that regard. And it appeared to be in the postgame stuff and the way that they approached today's game. Because, again, I mean, the alternative is they could have come out and looked sl- – I mean, they, there was never really a point where they looked sluggish necessarily. As, again, I think Michigan under Don Brown defensively, I think no matter who they've played, there's always maybe been a one or two drives. Right. Where they're, <laughs> You know, that's just kind of history. So even in games where they've completely obliterated opponents, there's a couple drives where – Maybe look a little iffy or whatever, but that's... It's been almost three years since they pitched a shutout on defense. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, and, and yeah, so they did today. So, you know, the alternative, really, there and there was an alternative, could have been that they continued to struggle offensively. You know, because, again, even against Middle Tennessee, there were some struggles. And, you know, I think, by and large, I think they accomplished sort of again and we won't we're not in the locker room so we don't know but you know from from my viewpoint and I'm assuming from your viewpoint as well I think that they accomplished what we said was the goal on Thursday which was to convince themselves or you know sort of a rebound game and a confident it's not so much physically or, or on the field but maybe even mentally especially for somebody like Patterson and and really the defensive unit as a whole and so like you said, with their not not many misses, the assignment football was better. Which again, it doesn't matter who you're playing. Assignment football is assignment football. You know, if you're if you're missing on those assignments, making mistakes, it'll show. You know, even if you're playing a team like Rutgers. So, uh, you know, I th- I think, like I said, I think 
overall, I think Michigan probably accomplished what we said on Thursday would, what we thought maybe should be their goal for this game. And again, that's, that's all you can do right now. You can't do anything else. Right. You can only go out there on Saturday and do what you can do, you know, do what you think you need to do. And if you do it, okay, now you move on. You got Iowa next week. So, uh, you know, so that's, that's where I'm at on that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. Let's go on to questions. Seven questions, of course, in the future, if you ever want to get a question in, uh, shoot me a tweet or message after the game, and I'll try to add to the list. Uh, Let's go first. Linda Mulig, who says, still wasn't a great rushing day against a greatly overmatched team. What needs to happen there other than running Zach until he's injured again? Uh, The game had to give play. Oh, yeah. So more more about the confidence. But, yeah, the run game... That is absolutely one area where it's hard to hard to envision if Michigan can't even break three and a half yards per carry against Rutgers. I don't know how many games that they, they can really count on the offense to win or provide some offense this year. So, uh, you know, Zach Charbonnet being still seemed like he was limited. Maybe I'm wrong there, but five carries. I feel like maybe it was uh, they were they were keeping him out there, but maybe having him take it easy with an eye on the rest of the games on this in the schedule christian turner he was solid 11 carries 48 yards and a score um san haskins had that one run for 15 yards that looked pretty good but still don't know if he's someone that they're throwing out there against some of the some of the bigger more notable teams steve what 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 are you seeing in this run game is this is this something that can be fixed or are they just going to have an okay run game this year and just deal with the consequences that come? Uh, it's it's hard. Talking anything regarding offensive line play is always difficult to do immediately after the game if you haven't kind of maybe watched it again to watch it a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. You know, I still wonder, again, we talked about what they needed to do today, but you still kind of wonder how much they could still get away with not showing a lot either. And I'm, it is, it has been surprising though in short yarded situations. I sometimes wonder if it's a little more about predictability than it is the line not doing their job. There were a lot of unbalanced plays as far as, you know, basically Rutgers put what, nine guys in the, that's why do you think the bootleg worked so well all day, right? I mean, Rutgers sold out in the middle of the, the middle and Michigan you know, was able to make him pay in those short yarded situations. But as far as, yeah, handing the ball off, running the ball off, I, th- I mean, I thought when Michigan tried to run the ball in like basic scenarios, I thought they were all right. I think the, I think the biggest issue again, yeah, is like a few short yarded situations where I felt like maybe it was a little bit too predictable. And then that's, again, that's when they were able to pull the string with those bootlegs and, and score a few touch. I mean, what they have three touchdowns on bootlegs today, right? I mean, Patterson had two, yeah, yeah. and Milton had the the last one. So, um, again, though, that's more of a rewatch type deal to see. I, I'm I'm hard pressed. Like you know, Runyon is a better run blocker than a pass blocker. Onwenu um, is a better run blocker than a pass blocker. I'm just it's hard to imagine that you're not going to see the running game continue to get better. I actually liked what Haskins did today. I don't know if that's gonna. I don't know if that turns into like a bigger role or anything like that, but I I thought he looked pretty solid. I mean, he's a a guy that can move the pile a little bit. You know, he had the, uh, I think he also had a catch on the outside that was called back because of a 
a penalty. But, uh, you know, I, I liked what I saw from him, you know, and, and again, like I said, could could mean nothing. But, you know, especially with Wilson also back too, you know, as I don't know if they're going to – they're not going to get four different guys the ball every game, and you know, I don't think. But positive step for him today, I thought. So, uh, again, much more of a – again, I know we're doing this podcast like three hours after the game's over, but I feel like dissecting the running game is more of a Tuesday-Wednesday answer than it is a Saturday-Sunday answer. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right, and and I'll certainly do the film review. I think I'll I'm going to try to do that for every Big Ten game they play this year. I got some positive feedback from the last one. As far as the run game goes, I think they're in a weird spot because I think you mentioned Anwenu and and Runyon, and throw Bredesen and Ruiz in there as far as run blockers who really thrive in in power schemes. I know they did zone last year. I know they've done zone this year. I just, I don't know if that's them identity-wise. And But the problem is you don't necessarily want to switch out of it because your offensive play sets, if you're, if you're trying to have any sort of deception, it just, it, you got you got to do the zone blocking, I feel like. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong there. But, so that's where I wonder in the short-yarded situations, could they crack open a few, a few power, play calls that, that that just are more what this team jives with. I do think I, I you wonder about how much they're showing. I I don't necessarily as much that, but I do wonder how much they're holding Charbonnet and Wilson back. Right. Where you know, how much do you really need them in a game like this? And like you still want to give them reps, you still want them to play. It's not really worth holding them out for another week. But maybe you just give them really simple play calls. You give Charbonnet five carries, not trying to have him carry the ball twenty five times. So what what can they do? Probably probably keep working on on blocking. And um, one thing I feel like big big element to zone rushing is or zone blocking and and the running game is seeing and recognizing the holes and and making the right decision. That's something that's where Michigan not having a veteran running back really hurts. You know, that's that's where Charbonnet, Christian Turner, they're still growing. They're still learning that sort of thing. So I don't think there's any light switch quick quick fix, you know, easy button deal. Um gotta get better at blocking, probably have to design it better, probably have to get comfortable with with rushing in in this kind of scheme and then the running backs have to be better at all the things that they need to do as running backs so it's that's sorry linda that's not not the best answer but i do think it's i don't think there's one small thing that would fix everything i think it's it's got to be a collective um multifaceted approach next question blaze asks how much of an impact do you think it made having gaddis on the sideline his energy seemed contagious, and he was in players' ears every time they came to the sideline. So I had the eye in the sky, so I didn't necessarily get to see the energy component. But talking to the players after the game, uh, we talked to Christian Turner, we talked to Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Shea Patterson from the offensive side of things. Shea seemed really excited. He seemed to really like it, and that makes sense. You know, He has to communicate with his OC all the time. It's probably easier on 
on him to you know instead of through the phone or through the walkie it's just right next to him on the sidelines and you can probably say more right and so I think it really helps with the quarterbacks I did see a few video clips where the energy seemed to be there Um, perhaps perhaps that helps I wonder I'd I'd be I'd love to hear his perspective of what he sees does he see things differently because there are perks to being up high you see the whole field you can have a sense for depth and and the and the routes and what's open what the all 22 of what Rutgers is doing but I've always been a big believer that if you're if you're a play caller you know because this I mean even high school I've always been fascinated by teams that do play calling from up top I'm sure it works I'm sure it works in a lot of places but I've always been a big believer in that you want to especially your quarterback you want to have that conversation face to face um so I think it was I think it was notable I don't think it's an irrelevant thing I think it did make an impact um and again if the players respond well to it that's all that matters really I mean you just you want your players to be as confident and as happy and as excited about it as possible. So, um, yeah, I'd say if I were Michigan, I'd keep it going. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yeah, no, I agree. I told you I was going to defer on that one to you because I, I, I feel like that's a much easier question to answer when you actually were there to get the answers from the guys. I mean, from my it from my standpoint, when they looked as crisp as they did, you know, you want to point to that as making a difference, but it's hard to really know. You know, it could have been more like what you talked for, – for all I know, it could have been more what you talked about earlier as far as, uh, you know, putting them in a better position, putting him in a better position – offensively you know is why they would have succeeded at that level so um but that again then again you know he's going to be on the sidelines again next Saturday right so they're not going to change I don't think they're going to go back on it I mean it had to have worked to some extent so okay next question this one comes from Aunt Troya who asks will pick plays ever be called this year why doesn't Michigan do more pick plays if it never gets called so I didn't actually when he first asked I I, you know, as someone who doesn't watch on TV and doesn't hear and maybe I'm on social media, I'm interacting, but, but kind of focused on my deal and, and covering the game. Steve, what did you see? I think you said there was like a third down pick play that, that seemed pretty egregious. Um, I guess, what's your take on this question? And, and then um, maybe some of the non calls that, that were, that occurred today. I mean, there were a few. There was the one that was really bad, though, that I I think it was a third. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't have full recollection, but I believe it was a third down play. Either way, they, it was a first down conversion for Rutgers either way. Um, you know, it was obvious. And I think the play either before or after McGrone was held as well, which, again, whatever, refs, you know, missed calls. But my thing with the pick play, I you know, I agree, like, I 
why so we talk about why does Michigan not run them? I don't I don't know. I mean, teams run it. I feel like it's got to be called. It, by the way, the call would just be a straight up offensive pass interference if it, if it's properly seen and and the flag is thrown. I believe offensive pass interference is the call in that situation. I know it is in the pros, uh, but you know I don't know. I mean, I you could just chalk it up to some missed some missed calls by the referees. I don't know. I know other teams have used it against Michigan. My thought is that every team would just do that every play or would do it way more frequently if it worked every time, you know, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, what do we have Rutgers through for? Yeah, it's 106 yards on 24 attempts. That's what a little over four, five yards. Yeah, they needed more like pick four, plays. Is yeah. What you know, and so, and again, at least one of those, Looks like, yeah, Blackshear's long reception was 17. I'm thinking that was the yardage they gained on that. Was on a play where, yeah, a penalty absolutely should have been called. So, you know, again, I know people immediately want to look towards the end of the year with who they play as far, you know, because that's what Ohio State did last year to to dominate Michigan on the defensive side of the ball. But, uh you know, I don't know. I thought Michigan did a pretty good job against it, all things being considered. And I just think the refs, there were a couple of hiccups there off, uh, on the officiating. I mean, it might not be, any, you know, no more, no less, right? So, and I don't know if, I don't believe Michigan run. I mean, I know they run crossing patterns, but yeah, there are a few teams that I guess the more you think, the more in the conference that have kind of, I know Northwestern always seemed to be a team that Michigan would face that would run a ton of those types of patterns. We talked about Ohio State. So, uh, you know, it's just something that they'll have to, you know. I After every game, I know you can go through the film and they send plays to the Big Ten, you know, so I don't know if that, that'd be a play they'd consider sending or, you know, it only get that stuff only gets publicized when there's like an, a horribly egregiously missed call in a big point of the game. But I believe every week there's like there's somebody on staff that goes through the game film and like sends plays to the officials, the Big Ten headquarters or whoever to – review and to watch for or something going forward so yeah good question yep. i mean it's a fair question because that was it was a horribly missed call i mean it was obvious that the crossing offensive player for ruckers clearly impeded it wasn't like an unintentional type deal i mean the play was obviously designed for that to happen and i didn't feel like the ruckers guy made much of an effort to make it look accidental either you know, and it's and it's the only reason the pass was completed. So fair gripe on that play, individual play. I just the refs just flat out missed it. I mean, there's no other way to to really put it. There we go. Glad I deferred to you on that one. Uh, the next one, Savage Beast asks: Did you notice any lingering injury effects from Shea, or is he mostly healed? Uh, my inclination is that this kind of sounds like a tongue and cheek question because. Um, you know, they keep, they keep putting him out there and he plays full games. It's, it, you know, it's clearly not an injury that's limiting what he can do. Uh, seemed healthy to me. We just mentioned maybe his best game at Michigan. I know some people have kind of poked the bear a little bit about the, oh, Shea's hurt. So that's why I thought it might be a tongue in cheek question. Seemed healthy to me. Uh, Steve, was there any shots of Shea, you know, holding, his rib or keeled over or anything. I mean, he didn't really get hit very much at all in this game, but um, any anything you noticed uh, from the TV broadcast? 
No, I didn't see anything that would indicate that he wasn't at a hundred percent. So okay. it seems like a simple question to me. Yeah, you like you said, yep. could have been somebody trying to have some fun, which I kind of chuckled at the question too. But I, if you're being serious, no, I didn't see. I didn't see anything that indicated that he wasn't at full strength. I guess maybe the pessimist would say he still didn't really keep on like a true zone read most of his any of his runs were on the bootleg type situations he did make he did improvise on his second touchdown run you know for a short dive into the end zone but didn't still didn't really keep the ball in any of the uh read type situations but again I didn't I don't think that's a tangible deal that he's hurt or that he wasn't at 100 percent. I just think like I said mm-hmm. I, I really think they want to just kind of maybe work on some tweaks on the interior running game, some basics. Yep. He was hesitant on that one run play that you mentioned that he improvised. True. Ended up diving. It did take him. That was maybe the one of the few plays in the game where I remember watching and thinking, well, he should do that, and then it actually took a while for him to do that. So who knows? Maybe if it was tongue-in-cheek, let us know because we just embarrassed ourselves. Uh, this question <laughs> – should be should be pretty should be pretty easy. Williams Tonneson says he wants to know the real story behind the Arthur Sitkowski recruitment. I didn't listen to the broadcast. What was said, and then what is the actual story? Yeah, I think they kept saying that uh, Sitkowski chose Rutgers over Michigan. I mean, it was pretty what I would call basic deal. I can't remember what cycle he was, but I think it was the same cycle they took Peters. Well, he was a true freshman last year. Maybe yeah, you're I'm sorry, he was a he was an eighteen, wasn't he? Okay. Um basically Yeah, eighteen. So I wanna say he visited Michigan. So he had a we call it a verbal scholarship offer. I believe he had visited Michigan, and I think at the time some crystal balls had come in because Michigan was ready to – I believe there was a short point in time where they would have taken him, but I want to say things change at the satellite camp at Paramus Catholic where I don't think they were really that impressed with what they saw. They backed off pretty quickly, actually, and and a lot of other schools did as well. Again, none of this is to – these are just facts, not saying anything negative about Sikowski or anything like that. Um, and he ended up at Rutgers. I mean, it's really Michigan kind of cooled off, backed away, and he signed with Rutgers. You know, and that's like I said, I actually appreciate BTN trying to like. I think the broadcast would be more interesting if people knew like the recruiting backgrounds of some of their players. Like I know I mentioned Bo Melton for Rutgers is a guy that Michigan really actually liked at the time. K. Ron Adams, who got a lot of, I think he got five or six carries late in the game. Yeah, he got seven carries in the fourth quarter for Rutgers, a true freshman running back. Uh, Michigan very nearly offered him at the end of last cycle. You know, and, and so I, I think it's cool when they try to get recruiting uh, talk involved in the game. Like I said, I think it makes it a little more interesting, but uh, the, it was not accurate. You know, and I, I got the impression the way it was explained on on air is that that's the way that the Sikowski family may have made it kind of sound mm, like and again okay. I'm not trying to I'm not saying anything negative about anybody I'm just 
let's say the fact is that's the fact. So that's the way that played out. Michigan, he had a scholarship offer for a while. Michigan backed off way before he signed uh, with Rutgers and was not a factor on their terms at that point. Otherwise, I honestly, I think he'd have verbaled to Michigan pretty early in the process if Michigan had would have let him. So pretty simple. For those curious, yeah, a couple, couple quick things. And again, we're not trying to, it's not a, not trying to make it a big thing, but uh, no, because no, because no quarterback would have, would succeed with an offensive line like what Rutgers had out there today. I mean, I I felt bad for him watching the game. I mean, it's like he had no time to do anything back there at all. So, well, and you noticed Harbaugh went out of his way to commend Sitkowski, right? As uh, he should, for, in for, my opinion. Yeah, uh, but he fell 246 spots in 24/7's rankings um, throughout throughout his high school tenure falling to 471 he also committed to the u miami at one point did not work out uh or you know decommitted ended up at rutgers and then also zach anikstead beat him out for the starting job in at img anikstead is i think he's hurt right now but he's a quarterback at minnesota um so more more details to the story next question uh, Brandon Pisarski asks, all the positive signs today obscured the fact that there was still little push from the middle of both sides of the line. This has got to be the number one make-or-break area for this team. Yes or no? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we mentioned the run blocking just wasn't a super effective run game for Michigan. I feel like the defensive line made a big push. I still think that's the main concern for Michigan moving forward, but I felt like they did well today. I mean, that's that was main, that was Chris Ash's main takeaway was talking about how the defensive line looked really good. I, Steve, I, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts there um, on on both the offensive line and defensive line? Gotta think if Michigan's gonna be successful, they need at least probably between the O line and the D line, probably um, four players to be first or second team all big 10 maybe more so they are going to need them to be be better than they were today but um what did, what did you think about the push with the interior on both sides today i thought again another player i think that today was really important for was michael Dwumfor. there's there was this hmm. you know the 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 new thing to complain about and again, rightfully so. After last, you know, I, to some extent, because like I think we, you talked about it last Saturday or last Sunday. It was like Carlo Kemp did not play that badly against Wisconsin. Was he great? No. But I still think you know, looking back at that game, it may have been more schematic than it was a unit like failing particularly up front. Now, again, that being said, yes, Michigan needs more up front in the middle on the defensive line. But that's why I think today was a really big day for Michael Dwumfor to get, you know, some legitimate reps. He's barely played this year, and he's the guy I think everyone's considered their best player in the middle. You know, the new thing is to complain about Chris Hinton, Mozzie Smith not getting a bunch of playing time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, like I said, I think I posted this on the board. I think, in, you know, my opinion, it was – much more important to get Dwum for as many healthy snaps as you possibly could because he's going to be more important to them going forward 
Not saying that should they throw those guys out there maybe a little bit or should they have thrown them out a little bit earlier because, you know, Hinton did get in very late. Maybe. I can see the argument, particularly with I don't believe Jeter. I don't. Did he even play? I don't even think he played today. Um, he's, he's definitely not on the – no, he's not on the box score at all. But, you know, I just, whatever. And on, the, on the offensive line, I just – there's too much talent, too much – experience for them to not continue to to get better there so but of course it's I mean this is a game that is one in the trenches right I mean that's kind of always been the case Mm -hmm. so I don't know I thought I thought mostly positive I didn't I don't know I don't really see how the defensive line in particular did not get any I thought they got pretty decent push I mean Rutgers ran for what 30 yards like yeah, forty six. Yeah, yeah. forty six <laughs> yards. Um, and only only eleven of those were negative. You know, take away the sack adjusted, so that what they had fifty fifty six fifty seven. Um, I have them down for sixty sack adjusted rushing yards on okay. two point two yards per carry. Okay, so they weren't go. really going anywhere, right? Yeah. And, and and their their whole you know Rucker's whole scheme offensively was well that dink and dunk stuff which which makes it which makes it hard for a defensive front to like what I was get push in the passing game is going to be difficult right so i thought defensively they were they were fine and i thought today like i said was important for Dwumfor. offensively like i said i just think as as the year continues it's just hard not to imagine that that unit's not going to get a lot better across the board you know i don't okay. know if it's a feeling out process with the new scheme or what but again, for all Big Ten guys returning, you know, you you'd expect to see them start to play like it at some point. So again, offensive line questions, like we said, tough to answer three hours after the game. Much more of a reviewy type, you know, question that can't really be answered, in my opinion, at this point. Sure, sure. Yeah, one thing about the offensive line that I would add is that I don't. One, I wonder if fans and media and maybe even the team itself maybe overhyped the offensive line last year because it did struggle in a lot of games but I would also say it got better throughout the season and it was kind of September turned to October that was about when things started to click last year in theory for returning starters means you don't have to go through that process again sure sure but but the battle rhythm the the kind of rhythm of the season how serious things get i could see the line still getting better i guess if if to brand try to give brand an answer that isn't we don't know um i i could very much see the offensive line getting better just just because they're practicing they're they're going through game film they're correcting um spring practices can be valuable I don't know if they can be valuable for the offensive line. I think that's a hard position to really say, ah, yes, this was a good practice in the spring. I mean, you kind of, you almost have to have some game film, get blown up a little bit. Um, Still, valuable question. Interesting thing that I will keep an eye on when I do my film review. Uh, Last question, Jordan Eggleston asked, when Ross is healthy, is it time to have him and McGrone on the field together? Um, mentions Glasgow could could maybe stay off the field a little bit. Certainly, certainly looked like Cameron McGrone made a nice 
pitch for more playing time. I think that's that's without question. That's one that's one way to put it, right? I mean, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. I think he made a solid statement today. Obviously, yeah. And Glasgow at the same time probably had his worst game since he of the season. So, Steve, we're we're four games in. We're a third of the way through the season. I think, I almost think you go with McGrone and Glasgow. But I would keep an eye on if our team's able to pick on Glasgow a little bit more. Are they able to scheme and recognize? Because what what Glasgow does is, I mean, he delivers with plays. You know, box scores are a bad way to evaluate players, but he has a lot of tackles and he has a lot of sacks and he has made plays. You know, kind of sometimes you just need your gamers out there. Uh, Whereas Ross, maybe I'm not looking at what he's doing enough feel like he's been so so like through the first three games I think most people would have said Glasgow outperformed Josh Ross so you got to go with who's performing the best I'd put McGrone out there as much as you can though I I think he he adds the no one's going to replace Devin Bush we've said that a million times but he kind of he has a little bit of that to his game and he can add that element close out some angles makes me wonder could he have played a little bit I know he played a decent amount against Wisconsin had one really bad missed tackle but could he could he have made a little bit more of a dent in Wisconsin's offense so yeah he should play a lot Ross versus Glasgow um I don't I don't know probably could be Ross. matchup could be matchup dependent I mean true you, know, you you get to the point where if you have enough guys you believe in you can start to it, it just naturally creates versatility. So, I mean, if they – because I agree. I mean, there's no doubt, like we said, Michigan pitched a shutout today, but Glasgow definitely had his roughest game of the year. But he was also arguably one of their, what what would we say, top two or three defensive players before today, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he you know was one of the only guys that really, I think, has brought it consistently. Um, so, I, I you know – McGrone's emergence can only be a good thing. I think you still have to believe that the staff is going to put their best 11 on the field in, in any whatever given scenario or whatever given opponent they're playing. But, yeah, McGrone just, like I said earlier, just has that, that pop where you can just tell, like, okay, this guy's got real potential. We knew that. We've known that. Um, but he, he really – we finally got to see it firsthand today in a, in a legitimate situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, to make that long answer short, yeah, McGrone's got to be on the field, and then I, I agree. A little matchup dependent, and just who's clicking. You know, they they're in practice. They spend what? I mean, well, their their full time job is to look at the linebackers in practice and decide who's going to play. Um, you know, maybe there are times where it's Glasgow and Ross instead of McGrone. Maybe you know, I think I don't think any of the, of the three are perfect you know first team all big 10 players uh so certainly certainly room enough to rotate and i think that's something we expected maybe a little bit more in this in fall camp i know there was one guy on twitter that was like oh another year where they overhyped everyone in fall camp we haven't seen much of cam mcgrown yet and it's like oh well here he is now so ronnie bell um yeah, but, but McGrone is a true linebacker. That's one thing to keep in mind. I don't know how much linebacker in high school Jordan Glasgow played. I think he was more safety. So that's something to keep in mind, too. Um, 
we'll see. We'll see. My personal opinion, yeah. Yeah, I think I think Glasgow had a rough game and I wonder if teams are gonna be able to to pick on him in, in matchups and putting people in motion and because um, he has to take different angles than McGrone or or Josh Ross would take. Anyway, uh, those were our seven questions. Thank you for submitting them. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Uh, check out all of our stories. Lots of post-game coverage coming. TheMichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247Sports.com. Um, Michigan, as we I think we both are in agreement, took a step forward today. They didn't get to the finish line. <laughs> they aren't... Um, no one's holding up a trophy for shutting out Rutgers. But as far as if you go back to our Thursday podcast and go over what Michigan had to do, it was a pivotal week for just for the psyche of the season. Michigan needed to, to respond, and by all accounts, they did. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And we'll talk to you later on this week.